We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the NFL Weekly Preview with TJ and the Looch. I am the Looch. You can find me on Twitter at the J Carlucci. TJ, what's up? How was your weekend, and where can the people find you? How's it going, Justin? Good to be catching up again. Interesting weekend. I mean, I can't remember ever seeing this many relevant injuries happening at once. So, so we'll have a lot to touch on in that regard, but. Uh, wasn't wasn't the best weekend for me, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I think in recent memory, the the chalk just did not hit at all, and some of the plays that were the the quote unquote locks did not turn out to be locks. Uh, I think there's a, a lesson to be learned there, and that when it comes to NFL, there's there's no such thing as a sure thing. But uh, yeah, happy to to dive into this weekend and talk about what it's going to mean for Week Three and the next couple of weeks with some of these injuries. Definitely the busiest waiver wire pickup of the year for annual leagues, probably. I'm assuming DFS sites across the industry will see a big boost in new users when a lot of people's annual league teams are probably toast. You know, the biggest two significant injuries is Saquon, done for the year, uh, towards ACL, 
had actually had a couple of problems just reading on Twitter, you know, some, some other knee damage there as well. It looked like, and, and McCaffrey, he's going to be out a couple of weeks, you know, when, when I saw he left the game, I, I didn't get to watch it, but I just kind of didn't think twice about it. I thought maybe it was like super serious, but yeah, the top two running backs and, and typically the number one and the number two pick and, and a lot of redrafts are, are out. People are going to be rostering a lot of players they normally wouldn't in week three here. So if, if you're going to pay attention to any segment or any like 45 seconds of what either of us are going to say across the next hour, I'm just going to rattle off a lot of the injuries. Uh, I think I got all of them covered. TJ, if, if I missed anything, let me know. But I just kind of compiled the list and it took me a while. It took me a while. I mean, we have over 15 significant injuries or guys that, that didn't play in week two. Uh, we mentioned Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. He's out for a couple of weeks. Sterling Shepard's getting an MRI. He could miss time. Uh, we're recording here on Monday. We don't have all the details yet. Jimmy Garoppolo, questionable for week three, high ankle sprain. Raheem Mostert left the game. He ripped off an 80-yard run to kick things off against the Jets. Then he got hurt in the game. He's doubtful for week three. That's the latest I saw. Uh, tough luck for the 49ers. They played without George Kittle. We don't really know what his status is yet. And Nick Bosa tore his ACL. The Niners are just getting whacked. You know, Drew Locke over in Denver. Shoulder injury. And just remember, they're playing without Von Miller. And Cortland Sutton is allegedly done for the year, too. I mean, just brutal, just brutal. And we're not even halfway through this list yet. Tyrod Taylor, surprisingly, sat. Justin Herbert came in and lit it up. Anthony Lynn still says Tyrod Taylor is the guy. I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll see moving forward. Will Fuller, man, I was looking at my home league lineup, and I saw a big fat zero, and I'm like, here we go. Did he make it through a week? There was reports of him just stretching on the sideline in the first half, so we don't know what's up with Will Fuller. Sammy Watkins left the game against the Chargers. Paris Campbell from Indy got carted off, although I did read he avoided a torn ACL. What happened with Devontae Adams? I'm not really sure. I know he's dinged up. TJ, have you heard anything on Devontae Adams? I believe it's a hamstring, but I, I do not know the latest on, on what the expectation is there. But I do know that he was in my main lineups, and <laughs> that, that certainly did not help me. But, yeah, I mean, not only are the, the top two running backs out right now, but the top two wide receivers as well, Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, both potentially out here. So it's, it's really, really going to be interesting. And just the, those studs that we're used to paying up for are just literally not going to be there. So it's going to be a different vibe as we're building our lineups next week and maybe for the next couple of weeks. Those are four first-round picks in PPR leagues, too. Just absolutely brutal that we mentioned. Brashad Perryman's hurt. Cam Akers left the game. Uh, Another defensive injury, Anthony Barr hurt for Minnesota, a front seven that kind of struggled against the run as it is. We just saw Jonathan Taylor uh, had a really nice performance against the Vikings there, too. Tevin Coleman, another niner. You know, he left the game. Still waiting on an update there. I know he got an MRI. Uh, so another Niner, a tough luck for the Niners. Anybody else that's significant that I missed as of right now or mo- Monday evening? Here? I think that's it. We're, another one, uh, worth note, not an injury, but uh, James White did not play Sunday Night Football. You know, horrible news and dealing uh, with the death of his father. You know, I, I, last I saw his mother was also in, in critical condition. So 
uh, thoughts and prayers to, to James White and, um, you know, hope, hope for, we're hoping for the best in a, in a terrible situation there. You know, hopefully, you know, his mother comes through and, uh, you know, they talked a little bit about it on Sunday night and even Russell Wilson was, you know, you know reaching out to him before the game and, and stuff like that. You know, James White not playing, you know, you know, did open up some other things in that offense and, uh, you know, really good game though we saw last night uh, or well, excuse me, Sunday night between New England and Seattle. I mean, it's like those teams are always, are always right there and, uh, we'll get to this later, but it looks like Seattle is in a chalk spot again this coming week. Yeah, a ton of injuries. I figured, you know, we talked before the show. We might as well just kind of elaborate on who we might see fill in the gaps. And we don't really know because, you know, there's going to be some free agents coming in for some visits throughout the rest of the week and things like that. So nothing's really a home run right now. You know, out of this gigantic list of, of guys who are definitely out, can you try to fill in a couple of these gaps, TJ? Yeah, it, it's definitely early. I mean, I think the the two biggest ones are going to be the situations in New York with Saquon and Carolina. So we'll want to monitor not only the, the who behind, so take a look at the Giants first, right? We have Deion Lewis, who essentially slid in and, and played almost every single snap after Saquon went out. So totaled the game at, at 88% of the snaps. Penny only mixed in for, for 6%, so it was really Deion Lewis. He had 10 carries, five targets. Didn't do a ton with them. So, And then on the Carolina side, you've got Mike Davis backing up Christian McCaffrey. Again, we don't know if either of these teams may bring in someone else, but my gut reaction is that they're, they're not – I'm not dying to play – Deion Lewis or Mike Davis, no matter what their prices are. So we'll want to keep an eye on it, but I don't think that either of these injuries open up that like automatic free square lock button running back type of play. So no, that's, I, that's my first thought there. I agree. And, and DK priced them both above 5K, thankfully. So there's no min price. Won't Chalk even tempt there. us. <laughs> right. And then I think the other one that's interesting is San Francisco. So again, we don't know exactly what the situation is going to end up with Mostert and with Coleman, but if they both are out, then I think Jarek McKinnon becomes viable just based on the talent there. I mean, I think that McKinnon is is certainly a much more talented running back than than Deion Lewis or than Mike Davis, so that would be another one that, that I'd like to take a look at. And then I think the other thing is that when it, when it comes to wide receivers, that just because a big-time wide receiver gets hurt, I don't think that that automatically, you know, is, a, is an immediate upgrade to the people around them. I think that, you know, t- tonight, again, this is Monday, but example tonight, the Saints, Michael Thomas is out. But to me, that gives the most boost to Kamara than to necessarily any of the wide receivers because it's really just they're going to try to get the ball into a playmaker's hands more often. So when we're looking at some of these wide receivers' injuries, yeah, we'll see more condensed target shares as a result. But it's not really opening up like lock values, at least not that I'm seeing at the moment. No, I agree. I agree. And and kudos to DK for for jacking up the prices of some of these guys before – they come out with the pricing, you know, so we, uh, I think McKinnon is probably my favorite, kind of by far, 
like you said, situationally, we'll see what happens with Tevin Coleman. But they paid McKinnon a lot of money to come to the Bay. And a couple years ago, like, like, he was very good in Minnesota. He had limited action this year, this year, but, I mean, he has, like, what do we have here? Over 100 yards on six carries through two games. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's That's efficiency. Still, that's efficiency. We'll take that any day. Smash button there. Uh, no, just kidding. But I, I do think he's viable, like you said. Um, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Davis came in and, and caught, like, eight balls, though, uh, for Carolina. He's capable, you know. I mean, I'm not running to play Mike Davis, but – uh, especially at, at above 5K. Um, Mike Davis had zero games last year with more than five carries, so he was very seldomly used. Uh, however, in 2018, he had over 100 carries and averaged over four and a half yards a pop, 34 catches. Um, but in 2018, when he posted those numbers, he did only play three games with over 50% of the snaps. So, uh, you know, is Davis capable? Yeah. I mean, are we going to him at, at 5K or more? I mean, probably not, right? But would I, would I be shocked if he goes out there and grabs six or seven uh, catches again? I wouldn't be shocked. And we talked last week. You made a really good point that, you know, Carolina's going to be trailing a lot. And that was with McCaffrey when we talked about that. So, I mean, without McCaffrey, and we saw a DJ Moore have like eight for a buck 20, I believe. And we saw a couple of good games from Anderson. So Carolina is an interesting team to kind of run that stack with, you know, a game stack with just based on typically what their game script is going to be moving forward. Yeah, agreed. We we talked about that a little bit last week, but the, their defense is, is not very good, so they're often going to get themselves into these shootout type of of situations. And I think but before we, we jump too much into next week, I, I did want to call out like one or two things on, on last week because I thought it was thought it was one to learn from, at least for me personally. And it's really that lesson of you know the the these plays that are supposedly locks and can't fail right I I thought that we had more plays last week that everyone was saying oh it's a it's an absolute lock you know Derrick Henry Jonathan Taylor Ezekiel Elliott Devontae Adams all of these plays they can't lose Julio Jones and just about all of them except for Taylor and and Zeke completely bombed right I mean I'm looking right now at the the results from the 3k luxury box on DraftKings just because I think it's interesting to 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 take a look back at this and Derrick Henry is 55% owned scored 8.4 DraftKings points Julio Jones 27% owned 4.4 points Devontae Adams 22% owned six points and like, I think it's just a reminder that when we're playing these tournaments to really be looking for those leverage situations and that no matter how much a play may seem like a lock, that, that crazy things can always happen, whether it's an injury or, you know, I mean, if you would have told me that Derrick Henry was going to get under 10 DraftKings points and it's not injury related, I would have told you that there's no way that that's happening. So really just thought that was interesting. And then one other point, like, Saw this a little bit ahead of time. Didn't end up playing him, but in hindsight, Aaron Jones, right, he, he absolutely goes off for, I think he had 48 DraftKings points. And that was just like the definition of the perfect leverage play, right? Because number one, it's leverage off of his highly owned teammate, Devontae Adams. When Jones is scoring, it means Adams is not. And number two, he's leverage off of these highly owned running backs in Henry, Taylor, and Elliott. 
So I just think that, you know, continuing to try and identify situations like that where you can get leverage in multiple different spots for tournaments is something that we should be considering and always thinking about week to week. Just wanted to make that point because it really stood out to me. No, I agree. And uh, I do a lot of work with with Tambo on on our shows, whether we're talking golf once in a while, or we have a Thursday night showdown show. And we talk about getting too cute sometimes. And, you know, it's not like we're necessarily saying play six guys that are sub 5%. But if you can just find a way to kind of zig while other people are planning on zagging, you know, you can still uh, find a nice piece of a game that's supposedly going to be chalk or going to be a shootout and, and do things a little differently. Um, I had a pretty good week. I, at one point on both sites, I was, I was holding a qualifier, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty late in the afternoon. Uh, unfortunately it didn't work out for me, but I had a good run and I, I did have a, my, uh, my best FanDuel team. I think I came in sixth place and the guy who won the qualifier in FanDuel, I played the, uh, the $55 one with like 700 people in it. And um, nobody had me at Henry. I had Henry and I lost by 14. So I was like, Hey, now could have been, could have been if Henry balled out a little, but um, I was fortunate enough to uh, end up on Aaron Jones. I, I just saw Detroit kind of quietly got gashed by the run and just looking at their front seven and you know, kind of thought that was decent leverage. I mean, he was still like 15, 17%. So um, there were some people that, that were on that as well. Um, so I had Aaron Jones. I ended up with Ridley, which, you know, I was fortunate to kind of, you know, I, I had a Ridley and, and Dak, unfortunately. I had Cooper, who ended up getting a little bit of garbage time at the end there and, and kind of was okay. But – uh, you know, we can talk about that Dallas game then. Brutal, brutal start and, and crazy finish for Dallas in a game which was a lot of points. I don't think I've seen something like that in a long time, TJ. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, if you can zig while other people zag, great point on Aaron Jones. And um, I actually do think Henry might be in a bounce-back spot this week, especially with, with how poor Minnesota was against the run. And not having Anthony Barr either is a pretty substantial blow to them too. But, um yeah, I don't think it's about getting crazy cute, but just finding other pieces in those games, you know, that you're pretty sure there'll be points in. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Derrick Henry. I mean, he's getting the volume, and it's it's, it's hard to shy away from the volume. And, and maybe people now are thinking, well, it's been two weeks. Maybe I'm not going to click Derrick Henry, right? So, like, maybe this is actually kind of a leverage, you know, situation looking at next week. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And, yeah, that Dallas-Atlanta game – Talked about it as being the the shootout spot of the week. It certainly did not disappoint. Tons of game stacks got there. And I think Dallas is going to be in another similar environment going into Seattle this week. We're looking at a, a 55 and a half point total. Seattle four and a half point favorites. One of the things that, that I was surprised by was the Dalton Schultz performance on Dallas. Nine targets eight catches, got himself a touchdown. The, to me, I, I thought that the, the Jarwin injury wasn't going to, you know, I, I just thought that Schultz would be kind of there and, and more of the volume would go to the wide receivers. But seems like he, he certainly got himself into the mix there. But their targets were pretty spread out overall. So Schultz had nine, CeeDee Lamb with nine, who I think CeeDee Lamb just on a – from a – team watch the game standpoints he, he kind of jumps off the page I think as being a, a real talent so definitely someone to keep our eye on Mark Cooper nine targets Zeke seven targets and, and then Gallup with six targets so it seems to me like Cooper and Lamb are going to be the the guys in the Dallas offense that are are getting the majority of the target share 
Zeke will obviously get his. And then to me, Gallup is is more of the the GPP type play where he's not going to see as many targets, but he tends to get some more of those downfield looks. So he's the guy that that could break break a long one and have that big spike week, but it's probably going to be, you know, six points one week and then maybe he goes for 25 one week. So he, he's going to give you those peaks and valleys, but, that, but that's what we want to look for in GPPs. And then let's see, on the, on the other side of the, the ball in that game, we have yes. Seattle who continues to, to let Russ cook, as they say. I mean, watching them last night, I thought they looked pretty good. Metcalf looks like a beast out there. Tyler Lockett looks good. So I, I think Russ Lockett Metcalf stacks are, are always going to be in play pretty much regardless of their matchup. Yes. I mean, just off the, the target shares alone, it was nice to see Carson get the ball 17 times. And I mean, he had a really nice catch too. Definitely showing he's capable of catching the ball now too. Uh, Carlos Hyde got, got a lot of run too. You know, I was kind of thinking about this. Carlos Hyde, one year deal. Pete Carroll's like, you know, we'll just beat the brakes off him for a year. Till Rashard Penny comes back. <laughs> what? What did I feel like? Bill Belichick has no plans of extending Cam either. I think what are they? Twenty three percent of the plays were design, running plays were designed runs for Cam. One year rental for Cam. Let's run Cam in the ground too. I mean, the guy looks good in the goal line too. But Cam looks scary good. And I think kind of some of the biggest takeaways from that game were neither defense is very good outside of their their best players, right? I mean, Seattle is very exploitable. How many blown coverages did we see on the New England side of the ball? Um, but some of those throws Russ made were incredible. The David Moore catch, I think I saw like next gen stat said it was like 6% probability to complete. Um, and Metcalf, that, that bomb that Metcalf, uh, caught, um, over Stefan Gilmore, who's there, it was by far New England's best defensive player now was pretty well covered. Right. So, uh, they're making plays. So I, man, uh, Russ is cooking. Russ is definitely cooking. We're going to, we're I don't even – it's Monday, but, like, you're going to see a bunch of chalk in that Dallas-Seattle game just based off the Vegas numbers alone and what we've seen so far across two weeks. But definitely um, I'm happy to see Chris Carson getting the ball. Obviously, you know, 17 carries is is a lot in, in this day and age of the NFL, right? So it was good to see that he was getting the ball. And just to kind of tie that in uh, with, with Dallas, I mean, poor Atlanta. The Atlanta fans, I feel for you guys – they had the total game script for Todd Gurley to make his presence felt, and he couldn't even average three yards a pop. He had 21 carries, and he was totally non-effective, right? 61 yards. So I, if he's, you know, if this run game can't get going, I, I pretty much will play an Atlanta game stack every week, regardless of appointment, regardless of opponent. Uh, we saw Russell Gage get what eight or nine targets again. We were worried about that. Hayden Hurst was in a good matchup, and. Now, people got away from him after week one, but Dallas gave up the most receiving yards tight ends last year, and that showed. Good game from Hayden Hurst. You know, I don't really have an explanation for Julio, right? But um, it was good to see just from of what's going on. I mean, it wasn't great, but seeing that Gurley really wasn't effective against a vulnerable defensive front who is, who's, was missing Van Der Esch as well. Um Really, you know, moving forward, I'm pretty confident that Atlanta is just going to throw the ball a ton. And guys like Russell Gage and Hurst are going to be in play every week. And, and it's kind of like Dallas, except Dallas has a good run game, right? So they have all these offensive weapons. And when you're making a game stack, it's going to be tough to make your decisions. Do I go Cooper? Do I go Lamb? Do I go both? Do I go Schultz now? You know, do I go Gallup, who could be a number one receiver on half the league's teams? Uh, or is Zeke just going to take over and, and kind of nullify that? 
Atlanta's show no signs of running the ball, right? So just kind of, of, of what we know so far is, uh, you know, we know where the targets are going in Atlanta. We know they haven't been effective running the ball. Uh, just thought I'd throw that out there, just just looking at a couple of these games next week. But you mentioned Seattle and Dallas and another game with a very high total that will probably have some chalky personnel is another 4 o'clock game with Arizona and Detroit. So and what are your thoughts? What did you see from both these teams? You no, know, Kyler and Hopkins. You know, Hopkins didn't go nuts, but found the end zone and another pretty uh, uh, intriguing game from the young quarterback out there in Arizona and Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler looks really impressive out there. He was pretty much the the chalk cash game type quarterback. I think he was literally like 50, 60% owns and some of the big double ups. He's priced up a little bit more. Let's see, he's going to be 6,800 on DraftKings this week. But I think that that he'll be in play yet again. He just, he brings that perfect combination of floor and upside with his rushing ability. Right, so first two weeks here, 91 rushing yards against the 49ers, 67 rushing yards against the Washington football team, three touchdowns total. So he's going to be able to get it done with the legs. It's almost like a little bit of a, of a Lamar light kind of vibe. And then, yeah, I mean, through the air, he's putting up some numbers as well like you said, seems to have that connection with Hopkins. Wasn't as absolutely nuclear as the first week, but Hopkins still had nine targets, got himself into the end zone. Larry Fitz still hanging around there, got himself seven targets, and then kind of spread out from there. Dan Arnold, tight end, six targets. Christian Kirk, five targets. Chase Edmonds, four targets. Isabella and Drake, each with two targets. So, I think it, it, it's an offense where the primary stack is always going to be Kyler to Hopkins. I think Kyler will always be in that contention for a cash game type of quarterback. And it's really, when you look at these fantasy quarterbacks, I mean, you've got Lamar, you've got Kyler, and you've got Josh Allen, who are three guys that bring such floor and upside to the table with the legs that they're always going to be in play. And that and when you pair them with, with one of their receivers, they can get it done as well. And then on the Detroit side of the ball in that game, I believe Kenny Galladay is expected to be back next week. Huge. Huge so, for them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they need that. I mean, he, he's a beast. He's, he's one of my, my favorite guys. Let, let's see what his price looks like, though. 6200 on DraftKings. I mean, I don't know what kind of risk there's going to be I'm assuming that if he's coming back he's going to be fine and there's not a ton of re-injury risk so I don't I think love, he'll love Galladay there yeah I was gonna say I don't think he'll be this cheap again this year ever probably right so I mean if you're gonna get a piece of that game you know keep, keep an eye on the beat Raiders throughout the week um Arizona's defensive front's pretty good and we know Detroit struggles to run the ball so um that could be a nice little piece of that game some people might be a little hesitant there you might get him at decent ownership you know, moving forward. But yeah, those four o'clock games, there's going to be some serious movement in the, uh, you know, in the blips on your scoring app when we're looking at the uh, fantasy totals here. Um, another big takeaway I just want, you know, we're kind of bouncing around here, but um, just conversationally, you know, great game between the Chargers and, and Kansas City. And we almost saw a huge upset. We saw Herbert throw for 300 and uh, a, a spot start basically and what a, what a performance by the kid uh, 
big number for me here is that Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly combined to carry the ball 39 times. So, and I'm looking at this game with Carolina. We know Carolina can't stop the run. We know they're probably going to struggle to move the ball offensively. The Chargers defense is good. It's underrated. The secondary is is nasty. Uh, the front seven's pretty good. I'm looking at 6,800 for Eckler. You know, I got to check out some snap totals, but I just feel like one of these two backs is, is going to have a pretty nice ROI. We've been picking on Carolina every week, right, with, with the running back position so far. Um, you know, and to tie that in, Ronald Jones ends up yielding more carries to Leonard Fournette in week two, which uh, a lot of people uh, were probably pretty irritated with. Uh, Fournette had 12 carries to Ronald Jones is seven after Jones outtouched him 17 to one in the backfield in week one. So uh, yeah, any, any comment on either of those situations, just kind of tying those two games together from week to week here. Yeah. Taking a look at the chargers. I mean, it, it it's looking like a full blown committee at this point. So in week one, it was a 70, basically 75, 25 split in favor of Eckler. And then, in week two, Eckler played 57% of snaps and Kelly played 52% of the snaps. So wow. basically, A, I guess two things there, right? Straight up timeshare 50-50. But B, I also did notice this when I was watching the game as well, that they're running some sets where they play them both at the same time. So it, it, it limits the upside on both of them, unfortunately. And... Yeah, I mean, that's just a lot of what we're seeing across the NFL right now. And it makes sense from a real football perspective, right? To, to have – you have two great players there, get them both the ball, get them both snaps. But as fantasy players, we, we don't love that. We want the guy that's going to be out there 80%, 90% of the snaps. And I, I think the other thing to touch on is that if Herbert does remain in the quarterback, I think that bodes well for the running backs in the passing game as well. Four targets for Eckler, three targets for Kelly. Nothing crazy, but I think Eckler had one target from Tyrod in week one. So it seems like Herbert is going to be more likely to to get the ball to his running backs in the air a little bit. So I think that there's a ton of upside from either of them, but it, it certainly it comes with some risk because they're just going to be splitting carries there. And then, yeah, on the Tampa side of things, similar situation. I think Lenny Lenny Fournette played 43% of the snaps. Ronald Jones played 34%. I think carries were like 12 and 10. So it's just – it's a full-on committee unless unless we see, you know, it go 80-20 in, in favor of Fournette next week. I mean, I, I could it see could. that happening. Ronald Jones with the fumble, right? So th- that's something to – to keep an eye on for Fournette is like such a, a funny never ending topic in the DFS industry or fantasy industry in general, it seems like, but uh, I mean, Tampa, to the end zone twice. Tampa pretty much hated Jones since they drafted him. I don't, I don't know why yeah. they took him. The first camp they're like, this guy has no hands. Like we're not going to use him. Right. It was like yielding snaps to dare Ungawe or whatever his name was. Right. So, I mean, and then they went out of their way to grab Fournette too. So I wouldn't be shocked there either. Wouldn't be shocked there either. If there's any positive injury news, it looks like Godwin passed concussion protocol. So it looks like he's going to be back. Evans and Godwin both under 7K, right? Yeah. Just looking at – I know we talked – we did talk – I just have the pricing in front of me here. 
Cooper, Metcalf, and Lockett are all well under 7K still in, in that game too. So I don't even have to see ownership projections to know that you're going to see them probably being three of the chalkiest receivers on the slate, right? Like, Yeah. Man. Yeah, and and it's funny, right? With With the injuries to some of the top-end guys, there's not really much to pay up for. So it could be a week where – there's more balanced rosters from a from a pricing standpoint, and so obviously we, we've been talking about the the running back committees. I think it's important to touch on one backfield that does not appear to be much of a committee, and that is in Indianapolis with the Colts, right? So we had Marlon Mack go down with the injury in Week One, which brought us Jonathan Taylor chalk week last week, and. He pretty much delivered. So I think the really interesting thing here is that Hines barely, after having a pretty productive week one, barely played in week two. Had yep. under 10 snaps, had zero carries and no targets. And then on the other side, Jonathan Taylor played 67% of the snaps, 26 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown, and then two catches on two targets. So, and he's still only at 7K this week, home against the Jets, 10-point favorites. So, I think we're going to have Jonathan Taylor chalk 2.0 this week and seems like just going to be a a nice, solid play. And, I mean, he could could emerge as one of the, again, no CMC, no Saquon to look at. He he could end up being one of the, the top running backs that we look at, and I think that we'll continue to see his price increase. I mean, what the hell, Frank Rake? Did Naeem Hines go to Magic City Chicken Wings to meet Lou Williams for a bro date or something? Like, what did he do to not? <laughs> Jordan Wilkins played more snaps. And Jordan Naeem Wilkins. Hines. Oh, God. Jordan Wilkins played 23% of the snaps. I, I never would have. Nope. I was wrong so there. weird. Jordan Wilkins didn't even play in week one. Hines is a guy who can line up anywhere, too, right? Flank him out. Uh, yeah. You know, carry the ball a little bit. Just bizarre. Got to monitor that situation, too. That That's, you know, obviously Taylor's in a great spot. Game script based on Vegas totals. Looks pretty healthy there. Um, but, yeah, I was a little surprised with the lack of Naeem Hines' output, especially after week one where he was pretty heavily involved and, you know, Phil likes throwing to running backs, right? So a little surprised there. Um but yeah, so that that, that indie game is another four o'clock game there. A lot of a lot of four o'clock games with fantasy implications. So if you're into the whole late push thing, maybe week three is your week. Yeah, uh, we actually have five four o'clocks where we've only had three the past two weeks, right? So yeah. we've got got more four o'clock games. Yeah, so if you're winning all the money after one o'clock in week three, don't get yourself too excited because there's gonna be a lot of player minutes remaining. That's for sure. And I guess just to touch briefly on the other side of that ball, very briefly, because I don't want to spend too much time talking about the New York Jets, but I fell for the Chris Herndon trap two weeks in a row, and I'm just I'm just not going to do it again. It was basically the only tight end that didn't get there this past weekend. And, I mean, I was looking at some numbers. It seems like he's he's blocking half the time not running as many routes as he should be. So the Chris Herndon thing is done. Don't play him. I, I mean, I'm not going to be playing him. But 
a tight end that I am going to be very interested in going forward that is basically playing like a wide receiver out there is Mike Jasicki on the Dolphins. He's lining up out wide and in the slot on just about every snap. So he is somebody that I was actually pretty high on in best ball as a, as a late round tight end. And I mean, 11 targets, got himself a touchdown, leading the team in, in target share. Like I said, he's basically – you're basically getting a wide receiver at the tight end position. So he's somebody that, that we want to keep our eye on, although I do believe he is in the Thursday night game this week. So, right. but, if, but if you're playing uh, playing any Monday oh, – you won't be able to see that. If you're playing any Thursday showdown, I, I would take a look at him and just someone to keep on our radar in the future. wanted to make sure I called him out because he's – Looking like a solid guy. Definitely, definitely. I'll be on the Thursday uh, showdown with with you guys until lock with Tambo. I'll have to uh, hit up TJ before the show and get his final take on on Big Mike over there, and I'll give you a plug. We'll see what TJ says. But you know, we're we're checking in to next week already. Get on DraftKings over there. We're, we're reviewing last week. There's no better place to get in on the action. The leader in one day fantasy sports is DraftKings. To add to all the excitement, there's a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. Every week, there's loaded GPPs, loaded prize pools. You know, you're playing cash games. You know, there's high stakes, low stakes. But there's a big chance to always win a lot of money. And DK is always hooking up its players. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, get it on the fun. Especially with all these unfortunate injuries, your, your home league's probably toast by now you might as well go pick up some DraftKings and, and check it out, see what all the craze is about. For a limited time, new users can get in on the free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Do not miss out. Enter the code DFF. That's DFF over there at DraftKings for your free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. Enter code DFF only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Make it rain. Speaking of making it rain, we, we really haven't dealt with weather through two weeks, which is, no pun intended, a breath of fresh air. Because they just hate when you're like, you like a place in a lot of games, and they're like, or maybe you like one game, and like, yeah, it's going to be torrential downpour with like 40 mile an hour wind gusts or something, right? And you're like, well, what do you do, right? Football, weather, it just always throws a wrench in there. But uh, we haven't dealt with that yet, thankfully. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Agreed. I'm sure we will at some point in the future. Let's uh, speaking on on running backs on on up and up because I think again we're we're gonna want to find out who the the workhorses to target are now. Miles Sanders came back and played his first game of the season last week and didn't seem to be limited at all. Played seventy seven percent of the snaps, twenty carries, yeah, ninety five yards and a touchdown, seven targets, three catches, so. I think that he is going to be one of the elite options to look at going forward. And, and I mean, I mean, the Eagles just don't have much else. It's, it's uh, he's got the Bengals, and you know, maybe yeah. if this was three weeks ago, we'd be like positive game script. But yeah. what? Break that game down a little bit for me. You're a Philly homer over there. What the hell's going on, TJ? I really, I really don't even know. I mean, Higby just ate us alive. Wentz seems to throw the most untimely interceptions and just holds on to the ball too long. And yeah, I mean, really 
Sanders is, is kind of the, the lone bright spot when you're, when you're watching it. And we got him at home against Cincy, 6,400 on DraftKings. What's the line? Like six and a half? Six and a half point favorites. I think that, that we're looking at Sanders as a very, very strong play can this we, coming week. Can we run it back with a guy everybody's going to be box score hunting? A.J. Green has 22 targets through two weeks. I mean, can he have his way with that Philly secondary if he wants to, if, if the ball gets there? Yeah, he's been getting all these targets, and they just haven't quite been making their way into – wow, that's unbelievable. 22 targets and eight catches. 22 targets. He only has eight catches. And 17 fantasy points. Wow. More targets. 16, I'm sorry. Points. Yeah, like – yeah, I mean, that's – so I, I can't say that I've watched much of the Bengals, so I don't know I, I'm a, I don't know if that's due to inaccurate throws or just throws that, that never had a chance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, the, this is the kind of thing where if you're looking at opportunity and looking for guys that the results have not met the opportunity so far, A.J. Green is, is certainly someone to take a look at here. And, I mean, it's got to come through eventually, you would think. Uh, yeah, just off the law principles here. I mean, for example, I'm, uh, he's 6K on DK, nice price. I mean, if you want to play that script a little bit, if the Eagles bounce back, you know, Miles Sanders getting some volume, play a little A.J. Green on the other side. I I can't say it makes my stomach feel great, but I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I mean, take Terry, Scary Terry, for example, you know, seven targets week one against the Eagles, you know, had five grabs for 60 yards. You know, we knew the targets would be there. It's a, a nice matchup, a little game script with Arizona, really high pace, so 10 targets, buck 25 in a score. So, I mean, that we knew that, that there's a good example that we knew the opportunities were there. And, uh, you know, just based on you know, law of probabilities and a decent little matchup, you know, Terry McLaurin came through. Uh, sitting there at 5,900 this week. Cleveland's been dinged up in the secondary. You know, we, we do know that. So, a couple guys we just stand right there that, you know, I don't. I don't mind AJ Green. I don't mind Terry in either of those games. And uh, but yeah, the Eagles, man, going two. Got, something's got to give soon. Big, almost a must-win this early in the year, right? It really is. I mean, you can't can't lose at home to Cincinnati. Let's let's <laughs> hope that they can finally take care of business here. But yeah, Ter- Terry McLaurin, I I was on him week one. Was on him again last week. The the lineup that kind of saved my week a bit was a, a Kyler Hopkins run it back with McLaren stack that uh, got me a, a little bit of a cash in the luxury box. So nice. I think that I think he's someone that is always going to be in the mix for me any given week. And, you know, I think similar with AJ Green, you want to target those guys that that see the opportunity and also guys that we've seen do it before right? Like we've seen McLaren have big games before. We've obviously seen AJ Green have success before, although maybe it was two years ago at this point. But um, I also like the opposite of that was like the Corey Davis thing for me. Like I was, I was all on the fade Corey Davis thing last week because he was someone who we've seen not perform for many, many years. And so I, I try not to, overreact too much to one positive week from someone that we've historically seen not do much 
And Correct. the opposite way, I'm fine to go back to people who maybe haven't done it for me recently, but we've seen the opportunity is still there and we've seen the ability for them to perform in the past. So cough, cough, Derek Henry, cough, cough. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so my guy this week who I'm interested in, and let's get into this game a little bit, sandwiched between AJ Green and Scary Terry, and then all the chalk receivers in the Dallas Seattle game is your boy Allen Robinson, who demanded a trade recently, right? Nine targets each of the first two games. Atlanta's at home. You would think, you'd think game script would be in their advantage, right? I mean, Chicago's a little bit of a gritty team here, but I mean, Trubisky's under 6K. He's been pretty good, right? He's been pretty good. So I think this could be a game where he throws the ball 30 plus times. Allen Robinson's been getting his opportunity. There's nothing wrong with nine targets in back-to-back games. A guy who hasn't done it this year yet, but we know what he could do. One of the best route runners in the league. We know, what do we know so far this year? We know Atlanta's secondary is pretty bad, right? Um, And they're kind of in shambles after last week. So I'm kind of might have some Trubisky Allen Robinson exposure this week. What are your thoughts on that game collectively, TJ? Yeah, I, I think that is a good sneakier game stack to target, right? I think the the ones that we discussed earlier, the Dallas, Seattle, Detroit, Arizona, with those those totals blow all the other totals out of the water, and then this Atlanta, Chicago kind of falls into that second tier, forty seven and a half total. Atlanta, three and a half point favorites. We already talked about their side of the ball and the explosiveness there, so I, I think. I guess, A, a run back of a, of a Matt Ryan stack with Allen Robinson on the other side. But, mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, Trubisky can, can put up fantasy points. And I, I had honestly been hesitant personally to play him the, last, the first two weeks of the season because I thought that there was possibility that he gets benched in the middle of the game. But I think that possibility is, is kind of fading into the background at this point. So I think he's someone that you can go to. He he always seems to pop in in like a point per dollar. If you're looking at yeah. our projection systems, Trubisky will probably pop up there again. So I think that's a, a nice sneaky play and get, a good game to target. Get on over there to Roto Grinders, guys. Our premium tools are awesome. We have so much great premium content, TJ. I mean, Slate, you know, Slate IQ, our optimizer is so user friendly. We have a bunch of pods every week, videos, live videos, you know, expert surveys. You know, it seems like someone different is stepping up and putting out a killer article every week. Whether it's Britt Devine, you know, analyzing the the Millies. You know, he put out a really good article a couple weeks ago talking about what kind of lineups have done the best work in the million dollar tournaments of DraftKings over the last couple of years. And I did see on Twitter he's going to play out another one in a couple of weeks to talk about some trends that he's seen uh, this week. But love our NFL team and. A really great source, one-stop information here at Roto Grinders. Now give us a like, subscribe, give us some feedback about the show. You know, what do you guys want to hear? You know, any comments, feel free to hit me and TJ up. Um, we're going to start wrapping things up soon. Just want to make a couple other notes here. You know, Pittsburgh and Houston maybe an interesting little game there. You know, uh, we can pick on the Texans secondary a little bit, I think. And, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson and Juju have both looked you know, pretty formidable. Uh, 45 point total Pittsburgh, three and a half point favorites at home. You know, I can make a case for a little bit of a Pittsburgh, a uh, little Pittsburgh stack here. And uh, the defenses look pretty good this year too. 
over there on the other side of Pennsylvania from us, TJ. Um, any thoughts on that game? And then I'll give you the floor on Josh Allen. All right. I was, I was just about to bring up Josh Allen myself. Yeah, I think on the Pittsburgh side, Deontay Johnson, I think, is, is really emerging as a nice value play. He was he was one of the, the chalkier – he ended up becoming one of the chalkier receivers, but performed and has seen very strong – target share the the first two weeks here let's see he's got yeah 13 targets last week so out targeting juju i think that that yeah there's almost an argument there maybe juju goes a little bit overlooked if people are gonna remember or start to to look at this new shiny new toy in deontay johnson forget about juju and similar to what we talked about certainly a guy that we've seen do it before so I, i like that game there um, and then, yeah, Josh Allen. I mean, I think that Josh Allen is is potentially the real deal here, and and emerging as elite fantasy quarterback status, and I mean, becoming more of a of a real life quarterback too. I feel like he he's been a guy where it's like, oh, he's a, a much better fantasy quarterback than real life quarterback. But I think the addition of Stefan Diggs is really paying dividends there. Diggs had 13 targets this week. So he really took the lion's share of targets in Buffalo. John Brown had six, Cole Beasley had six, and then nobody else had more than three. So I think it's going to be, when it comes to Josh Allen, looking at Allen and Diggs or Allen and John Brown, I think another one of those pairs that's going to be viable any given week, regardless of the matchup. This week they've got the, the Rams coming into town. Let's see, 47.5 point total at the moment. Buffalo, two and a half point home favorite. And then on the other side of the ball with the Rams, obviously Tyler Higby just went nuclear for three touchdowns this week, but only on six targets. And, and targets were pretty, pretty spread out. You know, six for Higby, six for Cup, six for Woods. So just not a, not a ton of throwing the ball from the Rams this past week as they were just demolishing the Eagles in other ways. But, yeah, I think that is another nice game to target there. I think New England and Las Vegas could be an interesting one as well. We saw Edelman going off for a big game last last night. So, I think Cam Edelman stacks certainly in play. Cam on his own also probably always in play. I mean, he, he is their goal line back as we talked about it. So, Cam's another person that that brings that that rushing floor, that rushing upside. So I think that these are some of the the second tier games that we're going to want to take a look at from a, a stackability perspective. No, good good stuff there, and and obviously Josh Allen's big knock was his deep accuracy, and he looks much better than he did last year. And maybe the new weapon was helping him out a little bit, but the thirty three of forty six, nothing wrong with that. Uh, been very impressive. Did you put a futures bet in on him, buddy? Oh, yes, that's right. I mentioned that before the show. <laughs> I I just uh, placed placed a little Josh Allen MVP bet yeah. over on FanDuel. So DraftKings moved him down to 20 to 1, but he's still sitting at 35 to 1 on FanDuel. So a buddy of mine tipped me off onto that and, and went and, and placed a, a, a little bet there. I think that, you know, I think I'm bullish on Allen as an individual and also 
Buffalo Bills just as a team, I think are looking really strong. So uh, obviously that that's the the combination that you want when you're looking for an MVP player. So yeah, I will I will be officially rooting for Josh Allen every single week for the rest of the way, and uh, let's go home and and bring that MVP. Yeah, he, he's worth some lunch money, right? He's playing some elite football so far. Looks good. The Bills will be, you know, uh, probably in contention for a playoff spot here. Um, yeah, man, anything else before before we wrap things up? I, I guess I'm just, like, scrolling through some players and, and some things like that. And uh, one other guy I, I think is a, a nice spot to go back to is I think you could just go back to some of these Bengals. I, I mean, the Eagles, not to – Poor salt and open wounds here, but they gave up almost 200 yards on the ground. So, I mean, and you know the Bengals want to run the ball if they can, right? So, we know their line sucks, but the Eagles haven't really shown much, and, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. I mean, they're going to be desperate. I mean, the Bengals are playing without pressure. You know, Joe Burrow, no one really expects them to be good. The Eagles are supposed to be competitive, at least. So, I'm a little worried maybe about the intensity factor there, but I don't mind you know getting some shares of Joe Mixon, a guy who hasn't done it yet but has shown he is uh, could be a top 10 back. You know, if he strings together a full season here, I think you'll get some pretty good ownership on him as well as A.J. Green. And I'm not saying stack this game, but I'm, I'm saying you could probably – I'm confident in one of those two pieces bringing in some ROI. Not sure where I want to go yet or what my bills are going to look like, but, you know, Mixon is a classic example of a guy who has historically got it done, just wasn't off – you know, didn't get off to the best of spots here. Going up against a team who who just gave up 37 to the Rams. And uh, sorry, I didn't mean to upset you before we ended the show here, TJ, but I had to throw that one out there. No, I mean, hey, you're, you're speaking the truth, and, and it is what it is. I mean, gosh, it was painful to watch. And Mixon could very well run all over the Eagles this coming week. And, yeah, I mean, just, just taking a final quick scan of pricing, my, my gut is that, DraftKings at least did a, a pretty good job of pricing guys up. So I don't know that we're going to see the the auto lock value emerge like we did this week. I mean, at the wide, wide receiver position this week, there were so many guys in the low 4Ks that just emerged as screaming values. And, and it seems like the majority of them have been priced up here more in like the mid fives, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, so the the I think that it's going to be a little bit more of a of a balanced construction, and again, we we don't really have the studs to pay for anymore. So that uh, that's going to be it's going to be a different a little bit of a different week, and continue to follow these injuries closely over the next couple of days. We'll be coming out with all of our content here at Roto Grinders, making sure that we're keeping you guys up to date on how we should be thinking about these injury situations. And, yeah, should be another interesting week of NFL DFS. I feel like every week gives us a completely new thing to look at. So it's, it's always about taking that the, the puzzle pieces and starting from scratch and seeing how we can put this week's one together and hopefully get ourselves to the, the top of cash lineups, get ourselves to the top of GPPs. Maybe you, you break through on, on one of those final seats and have ourselves a, a good third week. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. I guess my, my after just scanning things finally, like on DK, there's going to be a lot of ways you can go and a lot of good value at tight end, it looks like, this week. You know, Hayden Hurst still under 5K. You know, Schultz, you know, if you're a believer in his target share in that Dallas team against Seattle, who 
uh, you know, Jamal Adams kind of patrolling things there. Although I was, I was more impressed with Adams against the run than against the pass. Um, but, you know, you got Ertz 5,100. You know, obviously him and Goddard are, are gobbling up seven or eight shares a game there. You know, you can score against Cincinnati at the tight end position here. And Mo Alley-Cox, you know, I know you played him last week. You can victory lap a little bit there. He has as many 100-yard receiving games as Jack Doyle. And Doyle has made a heck of a lot more starts than him. So I thought that was kind of a uh, an interesting statistic there. But, yeah, yeah, and, I mean, if you want to go back to uh, your sweet prince, Chris Herndon, 3,400 still. He's against <laughs> the Colts. And I just think there's a lot of ways you can go at tight end. And, you know, even Noah Fant, game script, you know, Tampa Bay, Denver's really hurt. Probably going to be playing from behind. And, um, you know, you're going to see a backup quarterback in there most likely. And tight end is kind of the security blanket there. Noah Fant scored, you know, both weeks so far this year. So, Logan, Th- Logan Thomas as well. Logan Thomas. He, he, he didn't put it together last week, but he still had nine targets. So, he's had eight and nine targets in the first two games. I know that at least, at, at, yeah, I think that he's someone that you can look look to there a bit. And Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, I know. God, I literally, man, last minute swap. I wanted to go with Jordan Reed, and then I saw that stupid quote from Shanahan, and I let it, let it get to me, and then he just smashes for two touchdowns. And, and, just, and then I'm sitting there with Herndon, like, <laughs> blocking. And it turns out you don't get any fantasy points for blocking. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- tight end's always an interesting one, too. And I, I know we're wrapping up here, but, but it, it's – yeah, because I think there's still – and I, in my GPV article, I, the first two weeks I wrote up – Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey because it just I think that there's val while there's so many good value plays sometimes a good way to get yourself into a unique roster is to to pay up at the tight end and play the the Kelseys or the Mark Andrewses and I mean those but but so far this year those guys while they've done well some of the value guys have done just as well and, and so when we're looking for value, I think tight end is usually the spot to go to. So optimal construction, definitely looking to pay down at tight end. If you want to get a little contrarian for tournaments, that's where we bring the the Kelsey and Andrews type plays into the mix. And oddly enough, neither of them are on main slate. Kittle's questionable. Oh, wow. So your top price tight end on DK is Higby against Buffalo. Um uh, it's definitely going to be a pay down, pay down at tight end week. Then we don't even have a choice. Wow, who who is going to? Yeah, it's like who are we going to pay up for this week? I mean, leave some money got, on the table this week, maybe, right? Yeah, you got McCaffrey, obviously nine two hundred. He's not in the pool. Uh, and then and then what? Then Zeke at eighty three hundred. The next high. Henry. So the most expensive player on the slate is only eighty three hundred. Crazy. That's very Crazy. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and we and we don't have Lamar. We don't have Lamar on the Lamar. slate either. Wow. I was, I was going to say, as bad as you know, Tambo and I are fortunate enough to break down the Dolphins Jaguars on Thursday night for showdown. As as fun as that's going to be, we get Chiefs Ravens on Monday night. So uh, if you got any sick days, you know, use them next Tuesday morning because you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to want to miss that one. Anyway, TJ, where can the people find you, and uh, what's your content schedule like this week? And then we'll get out of here. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at tjl five one two four. DFS, I'll usually be, be tilting my guys that aren't doing well. Uh, and then uh, from a content perspective, be coming out with my, my DraftKings GPP article on Fridays. Still doing some, some golf content as well. So you can find me over there if anyone out there is playing PGA in, a diff- in addition to NFL. 
Awesome. Awesome. So for my man here, TJ Lasik and the rest of the Roto Grinders team, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a good day and good luck in week three.